Let's pray, and then we'll go ahead and get going here. Father, we thank you for every opportunity to fellowship and to see one another and to uh, look into your word. Uh, thank you for the wonderful New Testament, and thank you for the book of Acts that we're going to begin studying your great work in, in building your church and uh, how grateful we are that you've called us to be members of your assembly, your called out ones. And what a display of mercy that you had on Jerusalem to have your gospel preached there immediately after such a rejection. Lord, uh, you've been kind to us in, in many similar ways. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so we are moving on to a new chapter, chapter 7, and Jesus Christ builds his church in Jerusalem, and the book of Acts gives us that, that history. So we're getting started tonight. We'll do some introductory, introductory things here tonight, uh, which on a little on the outline here, the, talk about the author of the book of Acts, why do we believe Luke wrote the book of Acts? Uh, who is Theophilus? The book is written to Theophilus. And when was the book of Acts written? And we'll talk about those things here tonight. The history of Christ's works continues to be narrated in the book of Acts. And sometimes the book is called the Acts of the Apostles. And that title is appropriate. You know, the books were not written originally with titles. So the titles that we have on our Gospels and the book of Acts were not on the original documents when they were created. And that in itself has created a whole bunch of study and conjecture and all kinds of things as to, as to those titles. But <clears throat> it seems pretty clear from the history of the early centuries that they got the titles right. <laughs> Uh, our our forefathers, uh, our early church fathers, uh, pretty much it seems like they got the titles right. And uh, the Acts of the Apostles, it is appropriate because this book is the source of the most detailed information we have about Christ's apostles after his ascension. We have it in this book. Um, and the lives of the apostles, not all of them, but some of them are mentioned in the book, really only four of them. Uh, Peter and Paul are the main apostolic figures in the book of Acts. And then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, are the other two apostles that are mentioned explicitly in the book of Acts. Uh, beyond that, the other, the other eight apostles are not specifically mentioned in the book of Acts, though when we hit those phrases, plural, like the apostles, for instance, uh, they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison, that would be all 12, okay? And Matthias would be in that group. He replaced Judas, which we'll see in Acts chapter 1. And in Acts chapter 6, we have this statement, then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples. So 
when we have those plural references to the apostles in those early chapters, the other unnamed apostles are in that group. Um, now, they are all named in chapter 1. Luke gives us a whole list of the apostles' names in chapter 1, and we, we'll look at that list, uh, not tonight, but when we get into there. Now, in the book of Acts, there's also a number of non-apostolic figures mentioned in this book. James, the Lord's brother, is probably the most prominent of the non-apostolic uh, names James, the Lord's brother, we'll see him in Acts chapter 15 uh, and a few other places. And then we have Philip. He's one of the seven that are originally called deacons, though the term deacon isn't used. There we have Philip, Stephen, and five other deacons are mentioned. Uh, But Philip and Stephen play significant roles, and their history is recorded for us. And then we have Barnabas and Silas. Barnabas and Silas are traveling companions with Paul. Uh, They're very significant. We have some of their history. We've got Mark, uh, sometimes called John Mark, often an associate with Peter. Then we have Timothy, Lydia, Priscilla, and Aquila, and Apollos. Those are mentioned in the book of Acts. Now, there's other names mentioned outside of the book of Acts in the letters, like Titus is noticeably not mentioned in the book of Acts, but Titus is... So, But these are the figures that are mentioned in the book of Acts or the Acts of the Apostles. Now, notwithstanding the title called the Acts of the Apostles, some have suggested that a more fitting title would be the Acts of Jesus. And that perspective is hinted at in the author's began in his opening statement. You probably can't read this, but let me switch over to to Bible works here. The opening statement here, uh, in the former account I made, O Theophilus, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And that is kind of an indication that the narrator is reporting what Jesus continued to do after his ascension. The first account is what Jesus began to do. Now here comes a second account of what he continued to do. And that surely is the author's perspective from other statements we have in the book of Acts, like Acts 2.47. He makes a number of statements. I'll show you two of these. Uh, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. See, this is what the Lord is continuing to do. And Lord here certainly means Lord Jesus. So as as the author is writing this history, he's showing us what Jesus continued to do. Jesus began it. That account was in his gospel. We believe Luke wrote both of these. So the, the gospel of Luke is what Jesus began to do and teach. 
And volume two is what Jesus continued to do. And so, and the, you see, and the Lord Jesus added to the church daily those who were, those who were being saved. Uh, another example would be, uh, in Acts 16, 14, uh, <clears throat> now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord Jesus opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So, so some have said the title should not be Acts of the Apostles. The title could be the Acts of Jesus himself. Uh, both, both titles are appropriate. Uh, but the book of Acts really is that. It is a, it is a history of what Jesus <coughs> continued to do after he ascended and, and poured out, poured out the Holy Spirit. So, any thought or question at, at that little bit discussion of the title of the book? So let's just kind of dive right into some of the material. I'm not as prepared as I normally would like to be, but let's... Oh, yeah, some of you haven't been here uh, from the beginning. <laughs> from, the, from the beginning, which was uh, 2018. But uh, something else we also study is, it's abbreviated HT, History of the Text. We have H-E, history of events, the history of events, and that's a lot of our study. And then we have theology at times, but we're also studying the history of the text, and what we mean is how we got our Bibles. In other words, when was the book of Acts written? Who wrote it? Uh, uh, those kind of things. So we also at times specifically emphasize the history of the text and our emphasis this evening is on the history of the text. And those are the questions of who wrote it, who's the audience of the text, uh, what, when was it written. That's a history of the text question. And so what we're, we're starting out here uh, at this phase of our study, a little bit on the history of the text. So, so the question is, why do we believe Luke wrote the book of Acts? Okay, could you, could you explain to someone uh, why you believe Luke wrote the book of Acts? And, and most people probably could not, and I'm not, I'm not picking on you. Uh, <clears throat> but it's interesting, there's, there's three layers of how the church, the early church came to the conclusion that Luke wrote the book of Acts, and it has to do with three things. It has to do with the book of Acts itself. And it has to do with the gospel of Luke, the gospel. And it also has to do with the letters. And as detectives, we pull together pieces of information from all three of those to come up to the conclusion that Luke wrote the book of Acts. So we connect those historical dots, and that's what I want to show us tonight. And now, it, it kind of begins this way. We know that the author who wrote the Gospel of Luke also wrote Acts. And the reason we know that, quite simply, is, let me show you that, is because 
they're both addressed to the same person. Luke, Luke 1, chapter 3 says, <clears throat> It seemed good to me also, having had... Per-, you see, we're saying, who is the me? Okay, who's the me? <laughs> it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. Okay, that's the opening of Luke. Well, in the opening of Acts, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. So, so we know the same guy wrote the, both of them. Okay, so, so we know that from the book of Acts and Luke. Now, there's, there's another little piece of information we know is that when we study the book of Acts... <clears throat> there are what is called the we sections of the book. The narrator in the book of Acts includes himself in certain sections of the, of the narration. Now, it happened as we went to prayer okay, that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us. And then, and the us sections. And when she and her household, referring to Lydia, were baptized, she begged us, saying, okay? And so there are sections in the book of Acts where the author include he's there. The author's an eyewitness. There are other sections in the book of Acts where it, the, uh, he's not there. See, for instance, if we go back here to, Chapters 1 through, I think, the first we section. I forget where it is. But the author's not in, he doesn't include himself in these early sections. But those we sections, the author is there. So what we realize from that is this author is often with Paul. He's often a traveling companion with Paul. And that's what we have right here in, they're in Philippi, I think, yeah, in Acts, in Acts chapter 16, they are in Philippi, and this, the author of the book of Acts is traveling with Paul in Philippi and in multiple other places. So, so whoever wrote this book is a traveling companion of Paul, okay? Yes, Because Pastor John talked, it was his birthday yesterday, and uh, that's one of the questions was, you know, why specific that Acts was written by Luke, and it was Paul that was the companion, you know, and I asked Wendy Ong, Dr. Wendy Ong, who is an educator, has doctorate degree, and I asked her husband, who, Mr., uh, you know, Ong, O-N-G, I said, who wrote the book of Acts? And, you know, they'd been going to church and studying the Bible, and he said, Paul. He said, Paul wrote the book of Acts? Yes. And okay. right away, this, this red flag that went up on my head, and I said, no, yeah. it's not. I said, um, he's a doctor. 
physician, you know, who is Luke is a, I don't know if it's medical or whatever, the teaching part of it. And I said, he, he, I mean, um, Luke is like your wife, uh, you know, a doctor, if educator. Yeah. So, you know, and so I'm sorry. So I don't I mean, know why he said Paul. Did he give any reason or explanation? I mean, it just came out of, you know, because the, the um, you know, the book itself, the Acts, they mention Paul all the time. So right away, they have this thing in their mind that it was yeah. written by Paul. No. And not, <clears throat> you know, and I mean, you know, I'm, talking to myself. Well, also. I mean, he was a medical, you're saying he was a medical doctor. I, I don't know. Do you know if he's a medical? I don't know who you're referring to. Um, Luke. The writer Luke is a physician. Oh, oh, yes. L- l- the biblical Luke is a physician. I know. What kind of physician? A uh, medical uh, physician? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, But Paul is an a Apostle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Thank you. Okay. So, so on the line of reasoning, uh, we 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 come to the conclusion that Luke Luke wrote it because of the the we sections. There's a companion. Whoever is writing this is often a companion with Paul, and we'll see that as we as we go through it. So, um, and the reason we we know. So who who are the potential companions with Paul? Well, the, the the way we find that out is we have to look at Paul's letters. <laughs> so now now we go to Paul's Paul's letters, like in Colossians four fourteen. So uh, Paul is in prison here. Th- this is a prison epistle. Uh, Colossians and Philemon are prison epistles, and. And uh, at the end of Colossians, we have this statement when Paul is giving greetings. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. So Luke, now we have a name. (laughs) And this is where we get the name is we get it from Paul's letters. Okay. And so Luke is a companion here. Uh, when Paul is in prison, this is Paul's first imprisonment, and Luke is with him. And we also see that in um, Philemon, uh, Philemon one twenty four, same thing. Um, uh, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke. My fellow laborers. So there's Luke is with Paul there again, and significantly, at the end of Paul's life, we're in now Second Timothy four eleven, and this is now in Rome, and Second Timothy is Paul's last letter, and Paul was never released from this second imprisonment. Here in Rome, and Paul's going to be martyred uh, after this, and uh, and and Paul is writing uh, and mentions Luke again. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. So, so 
whoever wrote that book of Acts was a companion of Paul. Now, Paul had more companions than just Luke. (laughs) And we're not going to go through the large, gory detail, but what people have done is they've taken every possible companion with Luke. Timothy was a companion with Luke, wasn't he? Titus sometimes was with Luke. Uh, Silas, uh, it was Paul and Silas in that Philippian uh, prison together. So there were, uh, Luke had, uh, Paul had other companions besides Luke. But when you test all the other possible companions, Luke makes the most sense. That the companion, in other words, <clears throat> you'd have to say, well, did Timothy write the book of Acts? Did Titus write the book of Acts? Did Silas write the book of Acts? No, no, no. <laughs> For a lot of reasons. Um, the other reason is the language itself. The, the, the book of the language, the Greek used in Luke and the book of Acts is that of a highly, educa- highly educated individual. And uh, anybody that studies Greek, the Greek of the New Testament, will tell you that. You can tell the difference between Paul's Greek and John's Greek and Luke's Greek. You know, just as you could tell the difference between the writing, you know, of, of people. So uh, Luke is the by far the best candidate as to be the one who was with uh, Paul, and that's why he writes as an eyewitness in certain sections of the book of Acts. So <clears throat> are, are you with me so far? Uh, th- what's that? You are trying, okay. So we we. Philemon. Philemon is another apostle. No, no. Philemon is a runaway slave. And that's correct. But we're not we're not talking about them tonight. Just the fact that when Paul wrote this letter to to Onesimus, Paul wrote the letter to Onesimus, and he wrote it about Philemon who was a, a slave owned by Onesimus. So, but the, the point, the only reason I brought all that up was it's just another reference where Paul makes reference to Luke. So the only person we get the name Luke from is from Paul. Okay, in his letters. So, so those are, you know, connect, connect the historical dots. Now, let's see. What, the other thing is, a number of early church fathers, I'm on page 269 now, <clears throat> a number of early church fathers, when either referring to the third gospel or Acts, they identify Luke as the author. Okay, so, so in, the, in, the, you know, in the second century, they were, they were identifying Luke as the author. And another extra-biblical thing <clears throat> There's this thing called the Mur- the, the Muratorian Canon, uh, which lists the books recognized as scripture in the Roman Church at about 170 A.D. Okay, the 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 see we're talking about the history of the text now, so we're going to end up talking about the canon, meaning what books make up the New Testament. You know, and what, when which books belong in the New Testament and which don't. 
and that's called the whole issue of the canonicity, uh, meaning rule or authority. What books have the rule or the authority? What books are the standard? And the early church had to go through that process of determining which books should be included as authoritative and which shouldn't be. So this this document called the Muratorian Canon is very significant in that discussion. And it's like from about 170 A.D. And it's a list of authoritative books. And it isn't our complete list yet of the 26 New Testament books, but it has most of them listed. And the Gospel of Luke is one of those that is listed in that document. Okay, And if you want to study more about that, you could just look up the Moratorian Canon and read about that. But that's a very significant second, mid-2nd century document, 170 A.D., or, or late 2nd century, uh, for this whole matter of the canon of the New Testament. And it describes the author of the Gospel and the author of Acts as Luke, the physician. And obviously, uh, as Luke, the physician, they're reading Paul's letter, aren't they? That that's where that expression comes from. So at 170 A.D., whoever's putting together this Moratorian canon list, they have they have all those books, and they have Paul's Second Timothy, the beloved physician, and and all of this. And so Acts is attributed to Luke in that document. I'm repeating myself. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, there, that paragraph in the notes is a quote there from, uh, from D. Peterson about the, about the fragment. I just quoted that. Uh, <clears throat> all right, so from Colossians 4.11 and verse 14, moving on here about the author, the case seems fairly strong. I should have asked you, was Luke Jew, a Jew or a Gentile? Okay. James says a Gentile. I, I think James is correct. It, it seems that that Luke, uh, that Luke was a Gentile. Now, why do we think that? Well, we go back again to the greetings in Colossians 4.11. And with verse 11 and 14. Okay. <clears throat> Let's begin reading... Um, Paul is bringing the letter to the end, and we're going to to need verse 11 and 14. We'll put it together to think that Luke is a Gentile. Barnabas, about whom you received instructions, if he comes, welcome him. Paul Paul is writing to the Colossians. Paul is in prison, probably in Caesarea. That's another thing we'll have to work through, where this first imprisonment actually is. Is it in Rome or is it in Caesarea? Uh, That's going to come up as we study the book of Acts. But Paul's writing to the Colossians and tell them, welcome Barnabas if Barnabas comes, and Jesus, who is called Justice. These are my only fellow workers of the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. Now, what does that mean? 
It means that they weren't born Jews because they would have already have had the circumcision being in the Jewish faith, but... No. No, it's, no? It's the opposite. It's the opposite. It oh, means okay. they are born as Jews. Oh, okay. They are, uh, well, or proselytes. Or proselytes. But what Paul is saying, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and it's a sad statement, who are of the who are Jewish. See... Uh, uh, is a Gentile who converts to Judaism. Okay. He's not referring to proselytes here. What he, what he, they have proved a comfort to me. This, this he's ex- expressing his sadness that out of all, out of those who are working with him in this mission, sadly, there's only two who are Jews. Okay, and and. Uh, he can use this phrase later, beware of the circumcision. He uses that phrase in Philippians, and he's not talking about he's not talking about proselytes. He's talking about those who are born Jews. So what he's telling us here is he only has two um, workers with him who are Jewish. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras who is one of you, so he's not Jewish. Epaphras is one of the Colossians. He's a Gentile, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always uh, laboring fervently for you in your prayers and so forth. For I bear him witness, he has great zeal for you. Those who are in Laodicea and those in higher Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. So Luke, if he was a Jew, Luke is excluded. There's only two who are of the circumcision, and Luke is not one of them. So that's why most do believe that Luke is a Gentile. Okay? When you talk about circumcision, I'm a nurse. Our discussion here is not about circumcision. So if it circumcised if, if, by faith, or if no, the, this is talking about physical circumcision in this context. Okay. And so what I, the question? No, the question were your, your your questions are okay, uh, Thelma, if they relate to the subject we're thinking about, and the subject we're thinking about right now is. Is Luke a Jew or a Gentile? Or Gentile. That's so, our subject. Okay, I, I'm trying to understand what you're saying. Okay. Because if I don't understand, I have all these things in my mind. Okay. Luke was a Gentile, and a Gentile is not physically circumcised. That's correct. And right now, is that the re- main reason why the Jews, you know, they, they don't, you know, really circumcised boys until they're, what, um, old enough? Yeah, but that question has nothing to do with our question here, how we know Luke is a Gentile. And the way we know, Thelma, is that... he's not circumcised. Luke is not included. He says, my only fellow workers for the kingdom of the circumcision. Okay, those two are his only fellow workers. So that means Luke cannot be a fellow worker of the circumcision. 
and he cannot be a Jew. That's correct. Thank so, you. So yeah, that's that's the reasoning. Is that's the only textual evidence of that. Yeah, I, I I think so. I'm pretty sure that's correct. That this is the only textual ev- evidence of that. Now, there may be other evidences of it where Luke has this knowledge well, of the Roman Empire and Antioch and so forth. And I do apologize for the listening audience. My question was, was this the only text that let us know that Luke was a Gentile or not? Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think it is. Now, I think some also, from, from looking at the, what Luke knows and how he writes, there may be some indication there that he is a, he is a Gentile. Uh, I'm not completely certain on that one. So um, my next paragraph there, the author of Acts is well-educated in Greek. Oh, he's well-educated in Greek culture and language, demonstrated by his vocabulary in Greek writing. He also knows a lot about Judaism, and he also knows a lot about Hebrew terms. Yes, yes, he is. Uh, and when we consider uh, the frequency and the length of Luke's travels, he seems to be independently wealthy, having sources of income which which we simply don't know. But I mean, he's traveled all around the Roman <laughs> the Roman Empire with Paul and 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 uh, that type of thing. So he could afford to do that. And he could spend uh, sections of his life doing that. So that that's about all we know. So and we just assume that Luke wrote it because of the circumstances surrounding the history of Acts and the time. Oh. <laughs> so actually, is there any account or, you know, that Luke wrote Acts, or are we just assuming that uh, because of all the circumstances that we're we are reasoning to it? That reasoning. I wouldn't say just assuming. We're reasoning. Well, I used the wrong. We're, we're reasoning vocabulary. from the pieces of reasoning information we have. To, now, to, oh, sorry. If you say that Luke didn't write it, well, then you have to suggest who did. Who did? And we know that it was a companion of Paul. Okay. Well, so so you test each of the companions, and it, it, Luke comes out on top as far as which companion, his companion with Paul, could right. have written these books. With so. Pastor John talk, I keep saying that because you know I, you know I communicated with him because it was his birthday yesterday. Great. Okay, and so that was the discussion that we had like many moons ago. You know, and that many, many moons ago in Acts, who wrote Acts? Right. A-C-T-S. Okay. And John told you, I'm pretty sure that Luke did. No, we, it was a test. We had a test. <laughs> oh, like, he was teaching a class on the New exactly, Testament. Exactly, on gave a you Wednesday a night. We are way off the track here, Thelma. Oh, okay. <laughs> Boy, he's mean. I don't give you any test. Maybe I should start doing what Pastor John used to do. <laughs> okay, we're 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 moving on. We're we're, we're moving on. So, 
Um, okay. So, so we're on to the next sub-point there. Who is Theophilus? Okay, who is Theophilus? Well, his name means loved by God, and uh, Luke addresses him in two places. Uh, he addresses him as the most excellent Theophilus in Luke chapter 1, verse 4, I think, uh, verse 3. So we don't know much about him, I'll write to you an early account, most excellent Theophilus. Okay? That sounds like a title of someone who has a significant position in the Roman Empire, something of that nature. Uh, <clears throat> and so let me, I better look at my own notes here. Um, and the name means loved of God, most excellent, okay, a personal title, position, high office perhaps, likely in the Roman government. In some way, in some way, Theophilus is an acquaintance with Luke, obviously. And from chapter 1, verse 4 of Acts, we know that Theophilus had some measure of instruction regarding Christ and the gospel. We, we, we know that from this verse here that that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. <clears throat> okay, so <clears throat> Theophilus has been instructed uh, prior to Luke writing him, Theophilus has received Christian doctrine and instruction. And Luke is writing Theophilus to solidify his faith. He's writing all of these things that you may know the certainty of those things which you were instructed. Luke is not trying to change what Theophilus has heard, but he's trying to reinforce it. He's telling Theophilus, yeah, what you've learned, know those things with certainty, and I want to bolster your confidence in those things that you have learned. So it, it kind of sounds like he's grounding a new believer, isn't he? Perhaps. Or he's evangelizing a seeker. We don't really know. But he's writing to someone who has already been exposed to knowledge about who Jesus of Galilee is and so forth. Uh, <clears throat> and so we know that about a little bit about Theophilus in that regard. Um, uh, was Theophilus maybe just a serious inquirer, trying to inquirer, trying to sort out the various claims and criticisms that were circulating uh, about Jesus? Now, this is we get our timeline. If Luke is writing in the late '60s, then this is like 33 years after. The ascension. Okay, so we've got to get our timeline going here as we study. So, so Luke is writing Theophilus about three decades after the resurrection. Okay, the gospel has went a lot of places by then. So that's when Luke is writing. We'll look at the date here in a moment. Um, okay, so that's about all we know about our friend uh, Theophilus. Hopefully. 
we'll, we'll meet him in glory. <laughs> his name means love by God. That's what his name means. Yeah. Right. And we know that. And, 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 and yeah. And phileo, the, the, Greek, the Greek word uh, for, for love. Right. That's his name. Lo- love, loved of God. So, okay, so that's all we know about, about Theophilus. Um, uh, now, next thing here, when was the book of Acts written? Okay. So, uh, <clears throat> endless fights with liberal theology over this. Those that don't have a high view of Scripture want to push the dates out as far as they possibly can push them out. And they always argue for later, later, later dates. Um, and the gospel, the book of Acts is no, no exception to that. Uh, liberal scholars desire to date Acts no earlier than the 80s or the 90s or into the second century. Well, that late of a date is unlikely because Luke would have to have been a very young man if Luke was a companion with Paul. Okay, those dates don't work because Luke's a companion with Paul and Luke's not going to live that long. Okay, that's why those really late dates, 90 AD or first or, or, or uh, early uh, second century, that, that simply doesn't work. Luke is not going to live that long, uh, unless maybe he was a kid when, when he went on Paul's missionary journey. So <clears throat> that really doesn't work. Also, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> that sounds really bad. Also, had Luke been writing after Paul's martyrdom, he surely would have included that in his account. The interesting thing about the book of Acts, it ends, and we don't know the end of Paul. Luke's account of all this detail on the apostle Paul and his imprisonments, and his missionary journeys, it ends with no account or mention of Paul's martyrdom. So it really looks like Luke completed the book before the story was over. That's what it looks like. Luke completed Acts before Paul and Peter were martyred. And and I think that's a pretty strong argument because when we get there, it's like the book of Acts ends. It's what's the ending? Did Paul ever get out of prison? Was he martyred? Did he ever make it to Spain? All those questions just boom, and it's over. So uh, it looks like what we have as the book of Acts was written before Paul's martyrdom, and which we know was like in the mid-60s. Okay, we, we know that. So, uh, uh, okay. Now, at that point, I will show you a chart we're going to be using. Um, 
Oh, yeah, it's in this document here. Let me put up. Okay, you can't be an engineer without charts. <laughs> so, um, if you look at the very bottom of your sheet, those of you that are, are new initiates, initiates, how do you say that word, initiates? Or <laughs> We're not a Gnostic cult. But this timeline is the timeline of the whole New Testament, okay, is what this has been. The infancy is on the left, and the green, the green has been the historical events relating to Christ. His infancy, the silent years when he grew up, and then his public ministry, um, John the Baptist, uh, temptation, and... Uh, Jesus' early Judean, uh, Judean ministry, then the great Galilean ministry, the late Judean ministry, and then the final week, okay, which we've been probably spent a year on the final week. And so now we change to the black bar, which is the New Testament church events, okay? Now, and here's the cross. And so the black line on this chart is just the history of the events of the, of, of the New Testament church. Okay? And then the blue line is what I said earlier, the history of the text. When were the texts written? And you see <clears throat> um, the church starts here and probably the first book written was First Thessalonians. And we're going to go through all of this in order, in historical order, as we do our rest of our New Testament study. So we're not going to go from Acts to Romans. <laughs> we're going to try to go in the order in which the books were written. So Romans was not the first letter written. It's probably, probably either 1 Thessalonians or Galatians. We'll work that out when we get there. So that's our emphasis on the history of the text, what was written when. <clears throat> we, can, we can't be perfect by any means on that, but we can get a general idea. So the blue here is history of the text, okay? And uh, so the chart I think we're going to try to use is this chart here. I, I was gonna. I was trying to get all of this on one 11 by 14 piece of paper, but I gave up. Um, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna break it down into the major uh, historical sections. And the first section is the early church in Jerusalem. We'll start that next week. The early church in Jerusalem, and then the second section is uh, Samaria receives the word of God. And that's like Acts chapter 8 through 10, and this is Acts 1 through 7. And I haven't got the chart completed. The other major, you know, the missionary journeys of Paul will be in here. We're going to, we'll break this up into these major sections, and then we'll expand each section on its own sheet. So the orange section is expanded here, okay? And, and then when we get to this one, this will become orange and we'll have another sheet. So we'll have, that's how we're going to do it. And then the, the black triangle here are significant events. And this is like 33. This is a timeline, 33. 
And I don't know, that 37 number may not be correct. I didn't have enough time today, but we'll, we'll put the timeline on it. But we are going from 33 A.D. to 100 A.D. Okay, Jerusalem is destroyed here at 70 A.D. And at around, around, right in front of that, around 65, 66, is the Neronian persecution when uh, Paul and Peter are, are martyred right around here. So black are history of events, key events, and uh, these are the Bible references. Red squares are persecution. These are persecution events that have red squares on them. And the blue diamond is the history of the text. And now the, now the, these, this blue diamond goes with the black dating, not the orange. See, the orange is this, just this piece. These books are not, and so Luke and Acts, we just talked about it, are written somewhere out here around Paul, before Paul's martyrdom. Let's say Luke and Acts, let's say Acts is written before Paul's martyrdom. So it's around here, and that's where I have it here. See that Acts written? Now we know Luke was written before Acts because the author of Acts says the first account, <laughs> the first account. So we have them in this order. We have them down here. Now, I think, of course, Luke didn't sit down in one week and write either of those. Luke says he, he researched all his sources. Remember that? Having investigated all things. And so Luke was writing his gospel over probably a period of years. And Luke was in Jerusalem, and we studied all that when we started at the beginning of the Gospels, when we talked about how the Gospels were written. So that's why I'm showing this over a period of time. Uh, you know, Luke probably spent a couple years as he traveled with Paul. He recorded things, <laughs> you know. So, so anyways, uh, I'm sorry about that. <clears throat> So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of use this chart to keep, keep oriented. Um, and so next week we will start uh, on history of events. We've been doing history of the text this evening, and we'll start on the early church in Jerusalem, that section of, of our history next, uh, next week. So... Oh, yeah, 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 this is not, I'm not done here, this is not, yeah, yeah, this history of events is not, yeah, we're going to, this is going to, we're going to build this as we go. <laughs> right, right here, yeah, Pentecost, the conversion of 3,000, and yeah, these will each be subsections in our notes. And, Sorry, don't yeah. No, no. It, we'll, we'll try to keep at kind of the same level we kept at in the Gospels. We're not going to... Yeah, we, we kept at a high level. You know, that was same level at the Gospels. So, so, so we'll, yeah, we'll try to keep it kind of at that level. Um, there is theology in the book of Acts. It's, the perspective is a little different. I think we have a question Richard Granville says, have read that Theophilus was a lawyer and 
and Paul's advocate in Roman court. Really? Uh, send me the sources, the references. I would like to read that, Richard. I, I have never heard that. Um, so if you could email me, Richard, the sources, I, I would like to see those. And then Anne Brandt says, Do we know that Luke was independently wealthy, or could we he have had sources of funding perhaps from his patients, or from Theophilus, as he has called him most excellent, or from another source, as the churches were asked to fund Paul's missions? Th- that's a, that, those are probably all possible sources. I've, I've exhausted my knowledge, but any of those could, could, could lodge, seem reasonable. They could have been. You know, doctors, you know, charge you an arm and a leg, so maybe that's what Luke was doing. <laughs> uh, that's great. I'm, I'm glad we have some participation. I, that yeah, there's yeah. It, it, okay. <laughs> yeah. But, but how do they get the education that we have now? I don't know. I I don't know, but that's kind of not one of our questions for, for here tonight. <laughs> okay. Any any other any other contributions or questions? Oh, by the way, how are you feeling, Richard? I know you've been ill, and others have been ill, so uh, I, I hope you're hope you're doing better. <clears throat> what happened to me is last week, on by Wednesday and Thursday of last week, I felt completely normal. Then Friday, I lost my balance. Something went wrong in my sinuses and in my ears. And I'm still having episodes where my balance is off. So I'm wondering if anybody else is having those symptoms. And what's that? <laughs> See, what I'm hoping to find out, what I'm hoping to find out is other people that have this, have this cold have the symptoms of losing their balance. See, I'm hoping I'm not the only one because something else may be wrong with me. <laughs> Maybe coincidental. But my sinuses were really messed up. So, so I don't know if Richard texted back or not. Yeah, I haven't fallen down yet, but, uh, so. <laughs> okay, any, anybody else? I'm filing my own rules. I'm, I'm going off subject, but, all right, I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll finish and, and pray and we'll start. Uh, and next week, let's pray. Father, it's exciting uh, to see your works and the men and women that you've chosen to build your kingdom, even us, Lord, that the, the history doesn't end with Acts chapter 28. It just blossoms and continues, and it's reached to us, and your kingdom is <clears throat> spread around this globe, places that the original apostles didn't even know existed. So, Lord, uh, what an exciting thing. Uh, wean us, Lord, from the love of the world, and, and may we love you and, and your kingdom. And, Lord, we, we just thrill in that promise that the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, uh, uh, little flock, uh, do not fear, little flock, for it's the Father's good pleasure 
to give you the kingdom. Lord, uh, what, a, what a comfort that is. Remind us of that often. Uh, we don't see everything subjected to the feet of our Lord Jesus. Lord, indeed, we grieve over great evil. <clears throat> great evil committed in our own city within two miles of this church. Lord, we grieve over these evils and, and, and we ask you to set things right and may the power of your Christ reign in many more hearts and help us uh, be faithful uh, with our ministries here. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.